podcast dedicated to all things The 100. I'm Brittany Perlman. And I'm Sarah McCabe. And today is a special episode since the season six trailer finally dropped. Um, So we wanted to take a minute or two and talk about the trailer. Or a thousand. (laughs) (laughs) By a minute or two, we mean an hour or two to talk about the trailer and also the very recently released season six poster as well. Yeah. Um, So before we get into all of it, how do generally, what are your general thoughts about the poster and the trailer? Well, the poster definitely has a lot more meaning than I think the other season's posters had. When I first saw it, I was like, mm, this is real ugly. <laughs> but but I do like that I was able to like really delve deep into the symbolism of the poster. Um, the trailer, I'm ecstatic about. So yeah. yeah. What about you? Um, I actually felt like when I saw the trailer, I, I'm sorry, when I saw the poster, I was shocked. Like I didn't know what I was looking at. Um, but it was like a, a really good, like signified a change in direction and tone mm-hmm. and aesthetic for the show. And I was so excited about it. Just like from the poster alone, I was like, oh, this is brand new. Like this is a new kind of the hundred <laughs> we've never seen before. And I'm so excited about it. And I, I was also ecstatic about the trailer. I mean, since we're here now, why don't we just kind of talk briefly about the poster? I don't have a ton to say about it, but I did want to kind of address it because it'll maybe play a little bit into some of our trailer analysis. Yeah. Um, So I guess you, you, I'm sure you've all seen it. If you haven't, you should go check it out because it's, it's very interesting. (laughs) It's basically like a a mirror image or a Rorschach test um, of Clark on either side and then this new scary planet well it's it's interesting because it's a silhouette of clark right it's a shadow shadow clark i mean it's not they actually used a real photo of her and you can tell that the um clark on the right is a lot lighter than the clark Mm -hmm. on the left um i like to call this her shadow self which i will talk about a little bit more later um but yeah she's she's still definitely in, in darkness and i think that was intentional to, I mean, not only just show the mirror image, but also to show um, the reverse image. You know, in like a Rorschach test, you have the white space and the dark space. Yeah. And Clark is definitely playing the dark space here. Yeah, and I just, I like the symbolism of her having to face herself and look herself in the mirror, really, Mm -hmm. in both the literal sense and possibly a metaphorical sense that we'll talk about later. Yeah, I mean, face your demons, this season's tagline so exciting to me because thank god i know so necessary so overdue for every single person (laughs) and again could have very two different very meanings right yeah internal demons your personal demons are like literal actual manifestation of demons like in front of you yeah um and i think playing with with that um duality is going to be really fun this season very excited. We also see on the poster um, the green mist, which we'll also talk about a little bit more in the trailer yeah. discussion, but it's uh, seems like it's going to play a large role this season. Definitely. Um, and one other thing I wanted to call about the trailer is I'm not sure if this was a direct inspiration or just something that's like happening, but the rainbow shimmer, or if you will, glimmer um, in the, the in the background here. Reminds me so much of the film Annihilation. And I know a couple of people have pointed this out also online. Um, and it just, it, it, if they are taking inspiration from the movie um, and the book Annihilation, it would, it seems very analogous 
to Sarah Knight. Um, and this sort of glimmer, like sentient thing. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that. We'll talk about it later. But um, I just wanted to call it out because it seems to be like part of the overall aesthetic of the show and made its way into the poster. And I think that that's really interesting in this sort of like shimmery rainbow that's so beautiful but maybe not everything is the way it seems right I mean I think the reason people have been comparing it to Annihilation was because someone said and I heard this secondhand but someone said Jason had comped this season or said the season parallels a lot of Annihilation the movie as well um or the books I haven't actually read the books but definitely the movie in terms of like aesthetic yeah um looks very much like so I don't know if that's real but I did hear this before the trailer comes out and the trailer does seem to go along with that idea so I think that's really exciting and we'll get into that a little bit more later but um there's gonna be a lot to discuss here one more thing I wanted to talk about with the poster is we see the design of sanctum now i'm not sure you know we learn in this trailer that sanctum is something and Sanctum's also the name of the first episode i'm not entirely sure if it's the name of the planet or if it's the name of the, like the society that is shown here in this poster um and i'm actually now kind of now that i've thought about it more leaning toward the latter um just because of the definition of sanctum which is you know a place that's holy or a place that you can go to be safe that only lets like a certain number of people in. Um, and so I, I'm just really interested in the design they have here, which looks very like floral, like, like a lotus flower almost. Mm-hmm. And we know that from the trailer, these like red fields and white fields here are like actual fields like yep. there's like plants growing in them like red plants and, and, blue bl- and green. Bl- well I think the blue is actually water, water. Um, but it's just really interesting the way this is all laid out and this isn't quite what it looks like in the trailer this is more of like a mirror image of it but it's still um, it, it definitely I think is going to have some significance I mean there's some things in the red field specifically that I can't figure out what they are, but I'm really curious about, like big white blocks. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure we'll find that out this season. But yeah. Uh, yeah. And then the one last thing I wanted to call out in the poster is the central image of this like sort of, what do you call it? A butte, a butt, if you will. Um, and then these like two little outcroppings behind it. Looks like a bunny. Looks like a rabbit with ears. Um. And I know a lot of people have been connecting this trailer or drawing connections with this season um, and Alice in Wonderland. And I feel like having the central image of the bunny right in the middle, white rabbit, if you will. Yeah. um, Is like a little wink, wink. Oh, and we also need to talk about the Rorschach test of it all. Um, There was some person on Twitter. Did you pull that up? Oh, yeah. Um, So the when you turn the poster upside down and then kind of disregard Clark and look at the shape of the color in the middle it comes out to a goat what is what is the name of that goat Baphomet Baphomet, um, which represents opposing matters of good and evil darkness and light masculine and feminine his hands point down to heaven and earth and an allusion to the quote on earth as it is in heaven and this is from an Instagram post by at the hundred AMC so they're the ones who figured this out but that was like such a cool note I saw um, and I wanted to bring it up here because I think it has to have some sort of significance. I agree. There's also a bunch of people have been talking about like if you look at the silhouettes of Clark um, and disregard them just basically as negative space um, and then the inside, the light part, the white space 
there's like an image of a face almost. Um, so I just feel there's a there's probably a lot, a lot of interpretations of this poster depending on where you focus your gaze. Um, but I just think it's really cool. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the point of a Rorschach test is not what you see, but why you see it. And I think that's going to play a huge role this season with characters kind of facing their own mental demons that might not be as immediately apparent as we would have thought. Yeah. Um, but each person, you know, carries their own baggage and we're going to kind of see what they feel like their baggage is and how they work through it. And I'm really excited about that. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, the Rorschach test, there is no right or wrong answer. Mm-hmm. Your answer is your answer. And discovering that answer may be what you think you need to go through versus what someone else thinks you need to go through yeah. is a different thing. Yeah. So it's a very cool poster. I'm super into it. I love it. I love the aesthetic. I'm so excited <laughs> for the show to look different. I mean, the aesthetic is definitely a change. <laughs> I, I'm obsessed. I just, I'm so pleased to see a change, like any change. Yeah. I'm happy. I mean, we can actually see the things going on in scenes now, it looks like, at yeah. least from the trailer. So that's nice. There's lots of sunshine. <laughs> lots of sunshine. I mean, there's, there should be because there's two of them. <laughs> lots of sense. Um, but with that, I, are you ready to jump into the trailer? I am ready to jump into the trailer. Quick note before we do, just a, just a reminder um, and request for you to go and rate and review us on iTunes. It helps other fans of The 100 find us. So please go do that really quick and then come back and listen to our very in-depth trailer analysis. Okay. So let's uh, jump right into this trailer. Um, it starts off, we see this beautiful image of the two suns. One's a yellow sun, one's a red sun. And then we kind of zoom in on um, the Allegius ship. And over this, we hear Monty's monologue from last season telling them all to be the good guys, um, which I think is going to be very impactful. We've heard for pretty much all the characters going forward this season. Um, we kind of zoom in on a window in the Allegius ship and we basically see who I'm assuming is all of the characters will be woken up first. Yeah. So this will be part of, you know, the, the initial landing party. Um, and those characters are Echo, Murphy, Raven, Maury, Zeke, uh, Jordan, our new exciting character, um, obviously Bellamy and Clark, and then Abby. Yep. Um, I can already see there's going to be some new looks this season. Yep. Just a few. I mean, I think mostly with Raven, she has her hair down. (laughs) You're going to start there. I'm so excited. She looks beautiful. She does look beautiful. But I will say one thing that like slightly irritating to me is now all of the girl characters that aren't Clark look the same to me. (laughs) Like Echo and Amori and Raven all from like a distance when I was like trying to figure out who was who in trailers. It was much harder to figure out who I'm looking at. Well, I think that's why they were resistant to having her hair down for so long. But I think now that it's six seasons in, they're banking on the fact that we'll be able to recognize them. Well, I don't think that's true because Raven's been here forever. And, you know, Echo and Amori only recently came in. And I don't even think... I mean, Echo's Echo been had her hair season two. Yeah, but she hasn't been a huge character really until season four, maybe. But... Season five specifically. I'm just saying that like Raven had like a very specific look that they wanted to like, you know, very easily identify with Raven. And now that we're like moving into a new phase and like she's been a series regular for so long, I feel like they they can are finally allowing themselves to like go in a new direction. I mean, like I'm fine with Raven having her hair down. It's just hard now because uh, Maury also I don't think had her hair down last season. Didn't she have it half pulled back? 
She definitely did in previous seasons. I can't remember exactly what she had last season. I um, think she had like a little thingy tied around her head for half of the season. Yeah, maybe that's why. Um, but also Raven, I mean, as much as she looks beautiful, she does not look post-apocalyptic. Like her hair looks so styled, which honestly kind of takes me out of it a little bit. Like even compared to Echoes and Amori's, Raven's hair just doesn't really look natural to me. Oh, interesting. I did not have that reaction at all. I was just thrilled to see her hair down because yeah, I, I hated it up. Oh my god, I loved her ponytail. I loved her first season one ponytail. I didn't like it last season because they had those yeah, like those stupid, stupid pieces. Chunks. But that was only last season. The seasons before that, her hair was amazing. I, I just had- like for somebody who gets frequent headaches from having her hair in a ponytail, like I just I feel like Raven be more comfortable with it down. Uh, maybe. I mean, you have to deal with a lot more stuff when your hair is down you know it gets in your face and Raven's you know mechanic so she's always going to be you know flying ships or fixing things I think that just like was why her hair was up we're spending way too long talking about Raven's hair but the general uh thing I want to say here is Raven's hair is down (laughs) and I love it I love it um everyone else looks pretty much the same although Murphy does have his arm in a sling. Yeah. Which we heard um, from Richard Harmon that him and Jason had kind of talked. You know, he was injured at the end of last season before going into cryo sleep. And Jason was like, I don't know. Like, should we have your hand in a sling? And Richard's like, well, I guess we have to because he probably wouldn't have healed while he was in cryo sleep, or at least this version of, of cryo sleep because, you know, the hair doesn't grow, their nails don't grow. Yeah. Um, they're, they're static. So, they're frozen. Yeah. I like that they kind of kept that a little bit um, fluent from last season, and I don't know how long it's going to last for him. But yeah. I certainly appreciate the continuity, and I also just really like that idea of Jason and Richard at this point talking to each other about I mean like Richard is the number one expert on Murphy and who better to understand his character and I think Richard is so thoughtful about his character that like having his arm in a sling is a conscientious choice and a character choice um which you know is probably a very small choice but just also makes him vulnerable and weak in a way so I'm into it yeah um so the trailer continues we get this amazing shot of the planet that we're going to but then also there's like a larger gas giant planet that's really close to it which has a moon kind of floating around it um and then Kane's hand on the windowsill over it and it's just like the the imagery here is so stunning and it just already makes me excited for it's we're so about stunning see. but I was so annoyed with Kane's hand blocking my view it looked like all I could think of was um Jack's hand in Titanic <laughs> Okay. Wait, wait. You mean from the scene in the car? That was Rose's hand, first off. It was Rose's hand? It was Rose's hand, for sure. (laughs) Oh my god, my whole life's been alive. (laughs) Oh my god. We're going to have to watch Titanic again now, guys. (laughs) Um, So yeah, we we keep going forward. We see the ship... um, I'm assuming it's the dropship, although I'm not positive. I think. But I'm assuming it's the dropship. It's flying into the Earth. And already we're, again, getting those annihilation colors, the pastels that kind of permeate the background yeah, of this imagery the like shot the the sunset or sunrise that's happening there is there's like a rainbow glimmer mm-hmm. in the background already that you can see like is permeating the atmosphere yeah and then we get a shot of the dropship door opening and it looks like raven and abby 
both stayed behind on the uh, Allegius spaceship, which I guess makes sense because they wouldn't want both Zeke and Raven. They're two pilots, the only two they have. Well, maybe. it also makes sense because like that's their main ship, and if something goes wrong on that ship, like they need their head engineer, and they also need a doctor monitoring all of the people they haven't woken up. Well, yet. yeah, that's what that's what yeah. I mean. Like they needed a doctor and a pilot on this ship, and I'm sure Raven wanted to go and is furious that she can't go. Um, but it doesn't make sense to you know use both of your pilots and then yeah. have no one left totally. in the elite. But I do ship. like the idea of having Abby and Raven up in space alone gives them some time to rehash some stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I'm also you know wondering now they're very clearly paralleling back to season one when they first come back to the planet. Um, are they going to have a we're back bitches callback? <laughs> like who's going to step down first? It was Octavia in season one and she's not here right now. So uh, she's still sleeping. She is still sleeping. <laughs> they did not want to wake her up. <laughs> um, but I'm excited to kind of see those flashbacks. Same. I want all the callbacks. <laughs> Um, the first real image we get of them on the ground is them looking up at the two suns with this like super cool funky tree in you know the way mm-hmm. um, which I think just goes to show that this planet might look slightly like Vancouver but it is not Earth. <laughs> yes but in the same way that you know so maybe some characters are going to be mirrored this planet may mirror what Earth looks like a little bit. Yeah. I think that's a fair guess. Um, <laughs> Weirdly if only, looks like Vancouver. <laughs> if only because out of necessity. But um, yeah, and then we, of course, get the book two flash up. It's, you know, a whole new hundred show. I got so excited when that, sh- when that came on the screen. Yeah, yeah, it's book two. It's, it's, uh, it's a new planet to discover. And as we see... Um, in the next shot, there is a lake and some mountains, which again look very much like Vancouver, mm. except for the huge Saturn-like planet in the background in the sky. It's got rings. Uh, that has ring. Yeah, it has rings. Um, that is very much unearth-like. <laughs> very much. Yeah, we don't have a giant planet in our, you know, sights. Yeah, like humongous. <laughs> uh, and then we see the group kind of all walking up they look like they're in awe and I think the trailer you know sets it up for us to think they're looking at the lake and being in awe of the lake like we just saw but I actually think this is them looking at Sanctum oh I agree completely because they're walking on that like kind of orangey road and that's what we see a lot um, in Sanctum so I think this is the first time they see the Sanctum civilization agreed and the terrain that they're on here is very much um smoothed over yeah, like it's, it's been paved and um terrained and then you can see like the image where you can see the line the tree line where all the forest is surrounding them so you can like you know you can imagine this is kind of like the hemisphere of, of where they're walking into towards sanctum sure and they're also like clearly up like they're walking yeah. up a, a hill yeah. or mountain the camera shot is pointed down yeah um, the next shot is Kane, who is not dead, as we see. We, we weren't sure after Hashtag last season. not dead. Hashtag not dead yet. <laughs> um, but Kane and Abby are talking, and, you know, they're saying, like, everything that we did to survive, we did it so we could get here. Um, and Abby believes that, too. And, you know, I'm going to try to just – I'm going to – luckily, this is the only Kane thing we have in this trailer. If you guys have listened to us before, you know that, like, out of all of the characters, I just – on a maybe illogical level, cannot stand Kane. Yes. 
Yes, we know. Um, there was something that I did want to add here. Yeah. Um, I do think it's interesting. I, I always find it interesting when Kane starts talking about faith Mm -hmm. because of his upbringing and his former relationship to being agnostic and then being more, having more faith in his life. And I, I like this idea of him and Abby coming from this like super dark place into a mindset of hope and some sort of faith, whatever destiny you want to call it. Um, and we'll see how that pans out. But I just, th- I thought that was a really interesting little beat that they included in the trailer. Yeah. You know, I don't want to harp on this too long, but I'm very curious to know how Octavia will kind of fit in with the Kane Abby dynamic this season, because we saw a little bit at the end of last season that Kane really blames Octavia for everything that happens, even though he knows that Abby was the one who came up with the idea initially to kill people who don't eat um, the meat, who yeah. don't eat the, who aren't cannibals basically. <laughs> um, and so Kane is now saying like, Oh look, everything we did was worth it because we got here. Um, and I'm wondering how Octavia will factor into that while they, kind of give her some sort of forgiveness because they kind of reached this point or are they going to be like, ugh, we reached this point in spite of you, which isn't not true. Although to be fair, they also reached this point in spite of Kane, who, as we saw at the end of last season, allied with um, Dioza's group and uh, what's the crazy guy's name? McCreary. McCreary's group. Um, And he was pretty much okay with destroying a lot of Octavia's people, his own people. I mean, exactly. I think, well, there's no way to tell from the trailer how this is going to pan out, but I, I like the idea of them including this in the trailer as a, as a way of opening up those questions for us. Yeah, and we know that Octavia and Clark, and we'll get into this more later, but they're both, it seems like, going to be held very accountable for their actions last season, but I hope that other characters are held equally as accountable for the bad decisions they've made because over and over again we see a handful of characters, namely Clark and Octavia, being the ones called out for the thing, their mistakes and the other characters who make equally as many mistakes, arguably are not called out. So I'm, I'm just curious in this season of facing your demons, I hope that, you know, everyone realizes that they have done horrible things and that they are equally as responsible for the things that have happened to them. Definitely. Um, I'm not sure how long Kane's going to be in this season. I don't know if he's going to be, if he's going to die or if he's just not going to like show up a lot, but we do know he has another show. And so people weren't sure at the end of last season when it seemed a little touch and go for him, if they were like trying to kill him off or what. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they wrote it that way in case the contract situation turned out that he couldn't come back. Yeah. And again, who knows? how available he is going to be this season, but we know at least he's alive and in it for at least the first episode, if not more. Yeah. Um, So then we hear a conversation between Clark and Bellamy. Bellamy tells her that you called me for six years every day, and then you left me to die in the fighting pits. And then Clark tells him she's sorry. Um, And this is kind of over played over a scene with Clark watching Bellamy and some other people walk away while she stays in sanctum. And so it does look like Clark is going to be left alone for at least some part of the season. I don't know how significant a portion. Yeah. Um, but I think this will happen very early on, like episode two, maybe. Maybe at the end of episode one. Um, and I'll, I, I don't know if it'll be at the end of episode one. I think there's only so much they can fit in and they still have to, we'll get to that in yeah. a second, but, but definitely in the first couple of episodes, um, I do like that Bellamy seems concerned about leaving her there alone because he might be the only one on her side right now. Yeah. And we can tell he's concerned because he glances back and looks 
looks back at her. Yeah. Or at least the way that they cut it in the trailer, it makes it look like I'm way. I'm about 99% certain that that's kind of an accurate cut. Um, I'm excited for them to hash out the radio calls, which I'm still frustrated that they didn't talk about at the end of uh, last season. Not necessarily the radio calls specifically, but just the fact that they have not addressed what happened between them last season, which was a big deal. I mean, multiple levels of things that yeah. happened. And, and the humongous gap emotionally between where they started, where they ended, and how each of them were coming to the other after their six-year separation. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, I am very pleased to see that they are not going to just brush that under the rug but they're gonna bring it back out and air it out hopefully in an in-depth way yeah that feels satisfying and resolute I mean what I will say between these two is they've never needed a lot of words between them to clear up the issues they've had like I think one of the longest conversations they had was in season three when they were at the edge of the lake mm-hmm. um, and it was after Clark had left and then come back and that was kind of the discussion they had was one of the longest talks they had like even last or no two seasons ago in season four when Clark had held Bellamy at gunpoint they had a brief discussion about it in the car afterward and then they were like kind of fine yeah I don't think it needs to be a super long conversation I think it just needs to to be again a direct conversation oh I agree yeah I mean like no more like just kind of putting a band-aid on this like open bleeding wound Mm -hmm. we need stitches (laughs) with the way that it's set up in this trailer um when Bellamy tells her like basically I'm really confused why you did this and she says I'm sorry I don't think those two things are like in the same order like I think there might be more in between that Uh, yeah I mean especially because she's like I'm so sorry Bellamy and like that's I don't know we'll have to see how it plays out but that would be a very strange way to address the like acute accusatorial the way that he's like accusing her of like abandoning him. oh that's interesting because I I don't I don't read it as him accusing her I read it as him like genuinely confused like you called me every day for six years and then you left me to die like what what why (laughs) you know yeah yeah no I agree with you but I feel there is like a smidgen of aggression in there like a little bit about the fighting pits and the fact that she was willing to let him die well I think he's still upset but I don't I don't even know if I would say he's angry I think he's just like so deeply confused about yeah. Clark and how Clark feels about him on like whatever level that is. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, Clark obviously well, think- has a lot of apologizing to do, but I still feel like Bellamy has a bit of apologizing to do on his end too. You know, he did try to take her child and like force machinery into her. Yeah. I mean, not, and I guess not force. It was her choice. Although Clark didn't really know that at the time. True. And again, we'll we'll have to see how this plays out. Mm-hmm. I think it's all very promising that it's been included in the trailer. Yeah. And I, that, at this point, that's all we know and that's all we can say. I mean, let's be honest. The 100 knows their fan base. There's a lot of Bellark fans out there. So they got to put something in. <laughs> More teasing. And uh, Eliza and Bob have mentioned that this season, they're both back on the leadership, the co-leadership track together and that yeah. they're going to be pretty solid, um, which excites me. And I just kind of, I want to see them back together as a unit because they're the best together and that's the best part of the show yeah um the next scene is these cool like lotus flower red doors opening and clark is standing outside in this like pinkish red 
dress looking so clean and fresh. Yep. Um, like like roses. we've never seen her before. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we have though. The last time that Clark woke up this clean and fresh was in season two when she was un- in the mountain. Yeah, but it's not quite the same because here she's like wearing this like pretty dress and nice flats. And even in the uh, mountain, she was wearing like recycled clothes. Well, she was wearing recycled clothes. She was wearing um, like sweatpants, you know? Yeah, but they um, had, there was like a, they like dressed there was like a moment where she like dressed up in like a nice blazer and like all of that stuff later on in this season mm-hmm. in season two i don't know we can talk about the parallels between season two and some of the vibes we're getting in this trailer later on but i do think that that's an interesting point where you the idea of cleanliness and safety are usually so intrinsically tied together but actually might be you know something dark or mysterious underneath it i mean i think definitely peace and cleanliness because like you don't have time to take a shower when your life is at stake (laughs) but clark has clearly had time to shower and this honestly might be the first dress we've ever seen her in and we get to see her in two this trailer yes so yeah um that was just kind of a cool fun little bit of oh yeah i mean i also just love seeing clark be able to embrace her femininity Mm -hmm. i feel like she is over the years accumulated layers of armor and studs and leather and corsets and boots and black (laughs) and it's like these really heavy you know for very obvious and like important reasons and functional reasons Mm -hmm. but it is really not I mean like she is a very complicated complex woman emphasis on the woman like I like seeing her being able to embrace her femininity and enjoy it and like feel pretty yeah it's important (laughs) Um, So the next scene we get is Raven calling out Clark saying, every time that you do something horrible, you say you're sorry, but then you do it again. Um, Before we get into this, I just want to say they are in, it looks like some sort of basement or some sort of house um, that it might be kind of featured a little bit more this season. We see it in several scenes. It has this like weird piece of art in the background, this like blue honeycomb looking thing. And they also have like little um, decorative flags hanging up. Like it, it's all just very like colorful and almost kitschy in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's like quirky. Well, I should say everything about like the color scheme and the poster, all of it feels very Portland to me. Like these very like craftsman quirky, lots of bright colors. I don't know if you've ever been to Portland. That's exactly what it looks like. And it's a beautiful place. Y'all should go. Honestly, I can't see anything else but Star Trek um, in this just because Star Trek in so many episodes, they would go down to these planets and they would always be this like pastel motif. Mm -hmm. Um partially just because it was you know the 70s and then later the 90s and you know pastel was just a thing um and I'm not saying this in like a gross this looks like old and cheesy um although it does look a little bit cheesy but I don't mean that in a bad way well I think the hunter has taken so much inspiration from Star Trek like it yeah. could very much be an homage. No, to I'm that. sure. I'm sure in part it is an homage. Yeah. People are wearing all of these pastel colors, and that's it's just a very Star Trek vibe. And I'm a huge Star Trek fan, so I, that immediately is what comes to mind when I see it. Yeah, I get that. But I just one more thing on this Portland thing because yeah. this is now occurring to me <laughs> okay. as we're talking, and I'm sorry. But Portland is this like haven of the Northwest <laughs> region of the United States, and it is a very chill, very welcoming, liberal city um and it weirdly gives me like sanctum vibes so i've never been to portland i'm just gonna throw that out there everybody should go to portland it's my favorite city okay 
So um, let's get into the Clark and Raven of it. Yeah. As I mentioned earlier, Clark, I think, will be called out by a lot of people this season for the things that she's done last season. Um, I think the hardest one for me, though, is going to be coming from Raven. And I say this not just because, I mean, Raven is right, and Clark basically sent Raven to be tortured last season. Like, you're right, that was awful, that was a horrible thing to do, even though Clark was doing it, you know, for her daughter, in a sense. Um, it still is awful to have your friend betray you like that. Right. But I also have this kind of greater um, series-wide complaint about Raven, as much as I love her, and it's that she always, like, um, what's her name? Lindsay Morgan. Lindsay Morgan? Yeah. Her? Yeah. Lindsay Morgan always says that, you know, Raven is one of the most moral characters and has this really strong moral center, which I agree with. But I think the reason why Raven has been able to keep that morality is because Raven has constantly removed herself from having to make decisions. Oh, yeah. 100% She agree. always puts the responsibility on someone else to make the hard choices. And then if those go wrong, then she'll blame them for it. Yeah. Um, and we've seen her do that with Clark several so many times, times. Quite a few times. And I honestly wonder if this all stems from some unresolved tension about what happened with Finn. Um, and how Clark, you know, Raven wanted Clark to go save Finn and instead Clark killed Finn. I think that's really intuitive. I think that's spot on. Um, I feel like we watched her blame Clark for things that seemed almost out of Clark's control or what choice would you have made in my position? You know, like defensible choices, I think. Mm -hmm. There have been plenty of Clark's just decisions that are indefensible regardless of the fact whether she had to make them or not. I mean, they're questionable for sure. Um, but I was going to say, I, I don't know if I would say indefensible. I only have one indefensible questionable from Clark, and that's zapping Maddie last season. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do think that Raven is very quick to judge her and very quick to bring down judgment on her in a way that she does not do with other characters and is certainly um, doesn't do with herself. I mean, like, I just keep thinking about the scene in season four where um, they're about to test on Amori, and instead Clark injects herself with the nightblood to, yeah. like, make herself a nightblood. And that, I feel, really encapsulates what frustrates me about Raven, because Raven was one of the ones in that room who was like, I don't like this. I don't want this to happen. But she doesn't do anything to change it. She well, just right. steps back and is like, you guys do it. You'll be responsible for it. She And she doesn't volunteer herself. Yeah. Um, and Clark, again and again and again, basically throws herself under the bus to save other people. And a lot of times that kind of comes back to bite her in different ways. But I just, I feel like people only call out Clark. <laughs> And it frustrates me because there's so many mistakes that have been made in this show. And I think Clark is one of the few who really owns up to her mistakes, you know? Yes. Well, she's an exceptional human being. Well. <laughs> um, but I do think that it's hard. I mean, yeah, I think everything that you just said is true and right. Um, I do. I like this character flaw. No, I agree. I don't think it's a bad character flaw. No, I, I, mean, li I like it as a character flaw, and I like that it is a continuity choice. It's a consistent problem that Raven kind of has this blind spot where it comes to Clark and her responsibility with her decisions and the fact that Ra Raven shrugs those res or shirks those responsibilities in order to not have to put herself in those places mentally or morally. Um, and I think that 
that is something that is interesting and good and that hopefully given this conversation the show is interested in exploring more and maybe we can work past it this season but I don't know yeah I mean I think again it's not the the actual character flaw in Raven that annoys me but it's the fact that she gets away with like the show allows her to get away with it and allows many characters to get away with it um with calling Clark out and then not taking responsibility for their own part that they've played yeah it would Um, be nice for somebody to check her on this well that's that's just what I would like to see more this season I think and I'm hoping is going to be a much more introspective season so I'm hoping that characters are able to kind of see really come to terms with the roles that they're playing yeah um okay yeah I feel good about that (laughs) I guess I'll just save the rest of any criticism or discussion for the season yeah Uh (laughs) we're gonna have run out of stuff to say uh of course next we see octavia um she asks am i a monster yes i am and then she says to bellamy say i'm your sister and bellamy says my sister died a long time ago so this is really setting up an interesting arc for her she looks almost like she wants to get beaten up from people like there are moments in this trailer where she is getting beaten up but it's like i almost wonder if she's goading them to do it yeah like she's She's asking for it because she wants to be punished. Yeah, she wants to be punished for what she's done. But she's also just really angry. And the way that Octavia expresses anger is aggression. Yes. Because she's never been taught how to deal with her emotions in a functional way. Um, And so she's angry at what she had to become and what people made her become in many ways. And so she's lashing out because of that as well. Yes. Um, Another thing is she is completely stripped and cleaned of her... Um, Bladrina. Bladrina garb and makeup. We're going to call it makeup because I don't know if, <laughs> if it was blood or <laughs> if it was blood or makeup, but I'm going to go with makeup. Um, and we really haven't seen her this bare um, since season one. I think actually when I saw her for the first time in this trailer, I thought it was a flashback. I mm-hmm. thought it was a flashback to season one. Um, and I think that's really interesting to that sort of just like signifies where she is mentally. It's like she has, we made some progress (laughs) in season six. Nope. This is season six and season four um, with what was the hot dude who died? Lincoln. Nope. And season four. Oh, Ilian. Ilian. Oh Oh, my God. My my love. (laughs) Um, Thank you. Uh, And then, you know, blood rain is sort of just psychopathically reverted all of that work progress um and I feel like now with all of these parallels back to season one with the dropship and the door opening and we have this new planet that we're exploring and there's a civilization on the ground that we don't know anything about and um it's really interesting that they've made her look like she did in season one yeah like with no braids in her hair or anything nope it's, she, you're is, right. she is a not associated with any faction any part of the you know she is again all on her own and what I liked about this parallel between Octavia in season one to Octavia now is, I mean, they're they're both very different characters. Like, Octavia is not like she was in season no, one anymore. No, no. But I think you can draw a comparison because Octavia in season one, I think, was just a very angry girl. And she acted out in very rebellious teenager ways. And I think that Octavia in season five is also going to be acting out, although her acting out might be a little bit more violent than Octavia in season one. Sure. And maybe a, a little bit more grounded in, like, the experiences she had whereas mm-hmm. in season one it was grounded in the fact that she had no experiences yeah. so those are that's like an inverse of of a reaction but I do think you're right in that she is going to be a little bit like her teenage self mm-hmm. here 
Um, of course, we see Octavia fighting on the ground at night. Naturally. Um, I'm assuming this will be like her actually on the ground and not like a hallucination that we'll get to later. Um, but this does mean that she, she'll probably come down to the ground at some point. <laughs> Hopefully sooner rather than later. Um, we also see Octavia fighting with Nyla. And this is all we see of Nyla in this trailer. And you know, like my Nytavia shipping heart, I'm never going to let it go. There was a point in time that I genuinely thought it was like at the beginning of last season. I genuinely was like, oh, wait, they're actually going to do this. They did not did do not. it. I don't think it's going to happen now. But, you know, girl can dream. Um, but I mean, there's no evidence to suggest that it didn't happen. No, but if it's not on screen, it doesn't count. I agree. It's not canon, but... You know, just for your piece of comfort in mind. <laughs> well, I know they're fighting here, but it does look a little bit more like sparring. Yeah, I think it's training. And I feel like Nyla was one of the ones who was like really gung-ho about Blood Drina last season. And so I hope that she hasn't turned against Octavia because Octavia doesn't really have anyone right now. And I would like her to at least have Nyla. Have somebody. Yeah. Um, really quickly, I wanted to go back before we skim over the fact that it's very clear that Octavia and Bellamy are not they're not starting in a great place this season. Oh, yeah. Good point. <laughs> um, you know our thoughts about this. I'm really over their drama. I'm really tired of watching them hash out their sibling relationship and, you know, all of the baggage that comes with being related to each other over the years. I would like them to move forward. Doesn't seem like Bellamy's in a place where he's ready to do that. No, I think that actually, I, I think the opposite. I think them showing this is basically showing us that these two characters are not going to be fighting much for a little while. I think they're going to be very separate and on their own arcs. Um, I think Bellamy is going to be like very much doing his own thing and Octavia has to sort out her own shit. And I think um, in an interview specifically, Bob and Marie both were saying that was the case that they kind of had to work on themselves a lot this season but then they might come back together a little bit later yeah that's that's where I was going with yeah. it is that they're they're not gonna wake up after you know however long they've been 125 something mm -hmm. years and be like okay it's been 125 years I feel better now um oh yeah I don't think anyone expected that <laughs> <laughs> just saying like it's gonna I feel like it's gonna take all season to get there though I hope it takes all season I think it could take even longer than this season I don't want it to last any longer than a season I'm so tired of it well I'm I think you're tired of it because it's been such a front and center thing but I think this season it's going to be taken a lot out of like their relationship is going to be taken out of the spotlight and it's going to focus more on these characters individuals we'll see I mean yes we will see um we see Octavia getting beat up by I don't know if these are one crew members or what is happening um but Nyla is in the background being like held back from helping so I yeah. think this kind of lends to credibility of, of Nyla being on Octavia's side yeah um but yeah Octavia just not looking too great right now nope um, and I'm actually, you know, aside from Clark, who is always my number one favorite, love her to death, I'm always excited to see Clark's arc, I'm very excited to see Octavia's arc this season. Yeah, same. It feels like they're going to finally address things that have been frustrating me for many years, yep. and I'm, I'm hoping that Octavia can finally come out of it stronger rather than weaker. Yep, yep, yep. Um, we see a bunch of people saying goodbye uh, on the dropship. I'm assuming this is when they first go down go to the down. ground. Yeah, I agree. Um, Zeke and Raven kind of share a look. Um, Clark and her mom say goodbye. Um, and then we flash to 
Shaw, and Shaw is talking to someone who I'm not entirely sure who he's referring to, but he says, salvation comes from faith and good works. You haven't done anything yet. Um, I I think he might be talking to Clark. I, I agree. I, I have a feeling he's talking to Clark. Which, honestly... Shaw, get Shut out of here. You have up. no idea what's... You You, you just came. 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, love you and all. Well, actually, I don't know. I, I'm still a little bit lukewarm from Shaw last season. I also feel like this makes a lot of sense because he's getting all of his information from Raven. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, so it's like he's, he's got a bias. But it is interesting how he brings up salvation and talks about salvation in terms of faith. Um, and I'm wondering how religion plays a role in his life and, and what he really sees, it, what he thinks it would take a person to, to kind of redeem themselves from the acts that they've done. Yeah, it's a good question. And again, I'm, if like if he is talking just to one person and not like to the group at large, um, I'm just like, guys get off of Clark's ass, you know? <laughs> so, like, you're at a campfire. Like, you've probably been on the ground for two hours. Just give it a rest. Like, what is she supposed to have done at this point? Like, yeah. how can she redeem herself? She just set up a campfire. <laughs> like, Honestly, marshmallow. let's be real. Clark's the one who probably lit the fire and found she the food. She found the spot. <laughs> yeah. She, she, she put together the search parties for the food. Yeah. Like, <laughs> nope. They'll never let Clark nope, off the hook. Nope. Um, and I think we saw, I, th- I don't know if I mentioned this, but the, the scene in the, the campfire that we saw in the EW first look pictures, yeah. um, with kind of Bellamy and Echo off to the side and then Clark on one side of the fire and Shaw on the other. I think that might be the moment this happens. Yeah. So like episode one, yeah. like right off the bat, um, we get this great shot of the Elegia stores kind of closing on Clark's face. I'm assuming Clark's looking at Allie or Allie. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Where did that come from? Ready and slip. <laughs> We'll talk about that later. <laughs> um, I think Clark's looking at Abby. Um, you know, yes. just again, my mother and I are parted. <laughs> and of course, she's also parted from her daughter because they haven't woken up Maddie yet At in my, I don't think they have at least. I, I don't think they have either. And the fact that Maddie doesn't come into play in the trailer until the very end of the trailer signif- seems to signify that she's not woken up at the very beginning. Which does surprise me because at the end of last season, and I will say I was concerned about this, but they were looking to Maddie to make the decision about whether they go into cryo sleep or not. Like, oh, Commander, why don't you make the decision? And I was like, she is like an 11-year-old child. (laughs) Let's stop having children make decisions. (laughs) Um, But I guess they've decided, nope, I would rather her, an 11-year-old, not be leading us. So uh, at least maybe that was just like a peaceful way to get everybody to agree to sleep. And now that everyone (laughs) is asleep, we can make the rules. Yeah. Um, so we zoom in on our first real look at Sanctum, or at least the Sanctum civilization. Um, and it's built up on this mountaintop and it's like different steps up to the top and each step has its own little town or like commune part. And then there's like the big kind of castle at the top in the middle. Yep. Um, very weird design. I'm curious if that was just an aesthetic choice or if it has some sort of meaning. But um, one thing I did want to call out is the entire sanctuary or sanctum compound is circled by these like radioactive warning signs, which we'll get to later. But it looks like there is some sort of force field around this specific area protecting them. Yeah. Now, is it protecting them from radiation from the two suns? Is it protecting them from the monsters on the outside, which we'll get to? Is it protecting them from the grounders 2.0 on the outside? Sure. Yeah. It's a good question. 
and also um you it looks like an like an electromagnetic kind of like force field mm-hmm. um that like zaps you yeah so is it keeping things out or keeping is it them keeping in? people in don't know yeah don't know um, but excited to find out. <laughs> uh, we see a bunch of children running around. Like, yeah, they're trying to sell this place yeah. really hard. They're like, oh, look, look, this is such a family place. It's Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get our first look at Russell. Russell et al. Russell and his cabinet. <laughs> yeah. Um, which appears to be all wo- women and then just Russell. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> which is interesting. That checks out. We get this scene here that I love, which is Russell asking Clark what her name is and Clark being like, Clark Griffin, what's yours? And it's just the way she says it, it's so refreshing almost. Oh my God, yeah. She's not saying it in a defensive way. It's just kind of like, I've been through a lot. My name is Clark Griffin. Also like- What's yours? You can't impress me anymore. You're like the ninth leader <laughs> yeah. that I've had to like, you know, prove myself to. I'm probably smarter than you. I've survived a lot of shit. Like- but also she's willing to like come here. I just want peace. Like I want to work with you. Like all of this I feel like is portrayed in that one oh, yeah. com- phrase that she says. The delivery is incredible. Impeccable. And it just doesn't sound like anything Clark has ever sounded like before. No. She's very – it's like she's at this like all, at the same time very at ease, curious, and in control. Mm-hmm. Which is like how in the hell did you – do that <laughs> I mean Eliza's amazing she, she is amazing. and I I'm sure we've talked about this before on like a previous podcast but this season Eliza and Jason have both said this is like a very huge Clark focused season and that Eliza's had one of like the largest challenges that she's experienced as an actor to date mm-hmm. um and so we'll discuss a little bit more what that could mean uh, later in the trailer but I'm really excited to see Clark stretch her acting abilities and really get um, some recognition for them. Not Clark, but Eliza. Yeah. Uh, because I think she deserves it. I think she's amazing. She she is. And Bellamy, Bob, always gets, you know, all the credit for his amazing acting. But I think Eliza is sometimes a little bit more subtle. And so people don't call her out as much. And not likable. Well, that's definitely true. <laughs> that's a whole other can of worms. Uh, we see Clark in this, like, prom dress. Sexy dress. Sexy dress with her, like, good earth cleavage, you yep. know? Yep. Except now it's, like... And jewelry. Not earth anymore. So it's good sanctum cleavage. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, like, it's some weird rave. Yeah, no, this is basically prom. They this have, like, prom. dry ice, and they're all dancing, and there's, like, cake, and it's, like, where are we? <laughs> and also, she... It's, like, it's clearly a party. She looks like she dressed up for it. Mm-hmm. Like, this is, like, her... Choosing to engage in a social situation free of any ulterior motives. Like, I don't know. I don't know if that's true, but that's the way that it's set up in the trailer mm -hmm. is that this is Clark getting the chance to have like a social life. Well, that's actually the question I wanted to ask. So the larger idea of what I'm getting here, and we mentioned this briefly a little bit earlier, but it seems like Clark is going to stay behind in Sanctum while the rest of Sky Crew and whoever else, one crew, whoever, they all are gone. Um, and I'm trying to figure out why. And I have several theories as to why. I think the first might just be because Clark is a Nightblood, and I'm wondering if only Nightbloods can live in Sanctum. Um, but I also wonder if Clark chooses to stay behind as, like, I will be the ambassador. I will, like, try to, you know, drum up some goodwill with the leaders while you guys go and prepare us to, like, enter this society. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? 
I think both of those things. I'm sure you want to talk about the effects of the suns and what role mm-hmm. that might play and why some people of Sky Crew need to leave yeah. immediately. Um, it doesn't seem to affect Clark. And that or at least as much. As much. Um, and I feel like having the sort of freedom to stay and in a society that is seemingly so peaceful and cultural and uh, welcoming, it would be a very hard thing to pass up. Yeah. For but somebody I, who's been beaten down for a very long time. I don't think Clark would ever choose this for selfish reasons that's just not who she is and I think at this point like she's gonna want to like rebuild trust among her own people um she wouldn't just choose to leave them and especially not choose to leave Maddie who's still back on the ship so like there has to be like a very good reason why Clark is staying behind and the rest of them are leaving yeah um we get this great scene of her kind of twirling around and painting so many people online have tried to guess who this person is she's painting They've said it could be a self-portrait. They've said it could be Harper. They've said it could be that new character that we see a little bit later in the trailer. I honestly have no idea. Not a clue. It doesn't look like anybody to me. It it mostly looks like Harper to me, but honestly, barely. Like, I, I, my, your best guess is my best guess. I, I, I was like waffling between Harper, a self-portrait, and new character. (laughs) I mean, I think that's, those are the three choices. Yeah, I have no idea. (laughs) I guess it could also be something that's already there, but I'm pretty sure Clark is painting it, as we see here. Yeah. Um, I'm also just wanting to point out, in this scene where she's twirling around, there is this, like, it looks like alcohol sitting on a nightstand table, um, but it's bright red. And I wonder if that is something that relates to the red fields and the red flowers. Maybe. Um, all I can think of is the Wizard of Oz and the scene where they're like running through the poppy, poppy fields, fields and they fall asleep. And I'm wondering if the red flowers might have some sort of either hallucinogenic properties or like um, sedative properties. Maybe that's why Clark is so comfortable staying here is because she's really being sedated. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, honestly, like, this is yeah, way... No. Uh, We're speculating, <laughs> yeah. but I like it. I I mean, when I saw it, I was like, oh, look, she's got some tea. Like, that's <laughs> nice. <laughs> I mean, the only tea it reminds me of is if you've seen uh, 12 Monkeys. Yes. They have the red thyme tea. Yeah. It's just a very vivid it's color. It's very red. I mean, and it's also interesting that it's, like, in this... The room is kind of set up. There are, like, these, like, sort of Asian influences. There's lots of lanterns. It's very... There's lots of silks. Um... Lots of red overtones. And so, I don't know. I, I'm getting... It looks like what old Victorian people who thought what the Orient was supposed to look like. <laughs> that's the way it's decorated, which is this very lavish, very, like, comfortable, very rich room. Um, I just feel like she's, like... she's It's meant to look like she's living her best life. Of course, I can't imagine Clark being this carefree ever. So I'm also wondering if this is, like, part of a hallucination. I don't think it's a hallucination. I'm thinking more of, like, um, either a sedative or, like, something like ecstasy that makes you feel happy, but the feelings aren't coming from anywhere. Um, I guess we'll see. But I do think that the colors of red and yellow seem to be major for this culture. Red and yellow. Everything is red Red and yellow. yellow. Um, So I'm curious if those just are signifying the suns. The red and yellow suns. Sure. Um, and we've talked about this a little bit, but like, is there going to be some sort of religion based around the suns? And are we going to see that play in? Or is this going to be a completely 
like science-based non-religious society totally um which could also be interesting yeah uh, we, of course, get our little tangled moment yep. with the floating lanterns. I'm assuming this is some kind of celebration. Maybe this is the same night as the rave party that Clark attends. Um, but the lanterns are exploding into this flash, into this force field, um, which just, again, shows us that there is, like, a bubble around this city. Yes, very Hunger Games-like. <laughs> and then everyone is having fun. We see Jordan about to hook up with some Newbie? alien chick, or I guess I guess Jordan is the alien or they're all aliens. I'm not really yeah, sure how sure. that works. <laughs> anyway, Jordan's hooking up with a new character. Um, and there is a new girl who I thought at first was Clark. When I first watched this trailer, I was like, whoa, Clark's hooking up with someone. I, I thought it was Harper, and then I remembered that Harper died. So, Well, there are two new people, and they're kissing. And then we see Raven and Shaw kissing as well. Um, oh, and, and then, of course, Miller. Jackson and Miller are kind of having their little moment. Um, but I did want to jump back to... Uh, Jordan and I just want to talk briefly about an interview with Marie that was this last week that came out um where Marie they asked her about her relationship with Jordan and she just kind of like grins and she's like I don't know he's handsome you know so <laughs> and I started wondering like wait a minute Uh-oh. are they gonna Hook have up? a relationship um which I don't know why that weirds me out like, so much deeply deeply don't like that I mean, of course, I could feel differently if I've seen it, but yeah, if they do it right and they do it well, I mean, sure, I would go along with anything if it's done properly. But the idea of somebody who I think it's because he just seems so pure mm-hmm. and um, innocent and Octavia is quite the opposite. I don't know. That just seems very seems like an unbalanced power dynamic, which makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, but I also do wonder if there's some part of I mean, like I'm not defending it because I'm not feeling excellent about that but I could see them bringing out interesting qualities in each other yeah I think it could be an interesting dynamic I don't know that it needs to be romantic I would agree I mean like what I always wanted was them just to connect on an emotional level about being people who've grown up really isolated yeah and away from people and I, I also wonder what Jordan knows about Octavia like what stories has Monty and Harper told about Octavia because Octavia clearly was almost a monster at the end of last season yeah. to many people. But Monty's always been very kind and fair when it comes to Octavia. And I wonder if he would have softened some of those stories for Jordan or if he would have been like very straightforward and realistic. You know, I don't I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we get a great scene of Maddie and Clark reuniting. And I'm trying to figure out at this point, like, when is this all happening? Like, how long does it take for Maddie to get down to the planet? They were reuniting in that room we talked about earlier with the weird, like, blue honeycomb sculpture. And it seems like this is where they're going to kind of set up shop, at least for the beginning part of the season. Yeah. Um, I feel like this is their, like, designated hotel room. Yeah. And it feels like Clark might have been at Sanctum for a while and is now kind of finally coming back to the group. And so I'm wondering how long that's going to be. How long is she going to be separated? Yeah, it's a really good question. I mean... Maddie is obviously ecstatic to see Clark again. Um, but that also could just be because she woke up after 125 years on a ship and her mother wasn't there. Um, and that alone could have been cause enough for her to be that emotional. Um, I don't know. We'll have to see. I mean, like, I think 
saying, oh, your mother is down in this new society that we have no idea anything about. Hopefully she's okay. And then actually finally seeing her okay. I think that's enough to bring out that level that's of like, what I'm saying. excitement. Right. Yeah. So I don't know if it necessarily dictate or indicates that there's been a large time jump or like a lot, like a, that this is even that late in the season because I feel like there's plenty of reasons why Maddie would be that excited. Oh yeah. yeah. I, I don't, honestly know if any of this is very late in the season I think they're probably trying to keep a lot under wraps we'll probably see a lot in seasons or in episodes like one two and three yeah uh, I, from the I would trailer. agree I don't think we'll see anything beyond four but I feel like Clark at least has to be in sanctum for an episode or two you know I feel like there's just like there's enough here in this trailer that it feels like she is separated for like a little while I agree We'll see. I mean, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> um, of course, we get a scene of Clark watching Bellamy leave. I think, I mean, like, I'm assuming this is her watching Bellamy leave, but I'm pretty sure it is. And someone did zoom in on her face on Tumblr, and she's actually crying, which, like, hurts. I'm Like, makes me wonder again, like, why, why is she choosing to stay? Like, what is allowing her to stay? What's allowing them to leave? Bellamy clearly looks concerned about it. So, like, what is the deal here? I'm so excited to find out, guys. Um, and then of course, everything is not always good. And the next scene we get is Clark running down a path and Bellamy closing a door and looking murderous. So, you know, it's, it's about time for, we, we thought things were all, you know, hunky dory, but JK, it's the hundred. They are definitely not. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Um, so Bellamy at some point, they see the sun eclipsing, the two suns eclipsing. We see... Uh, Jackson stabbing uh, Miller. Miller. He's clearly in some sort of induced psychosis. And then Bellamy reads this quote from a book called Red Sun Rising um, by this woman named Josephine. And the quote is, the stars align and the forest wakes. It's time to run away. So we mentioned in our last podcast that there is a woman who is um, cast to play Josephine the sixth or seventh. Um, and so I'm wondering if this person who wrote this book is the original Josephine. Like she was part of the the leadership group of Eligius. And when they realized they were going to have to stay here and like raise children here, they kind of taught children the dangers of this planet through things like picture books. Sure. Which I love. Yeah. Like any other society does. Well, yeah, learning, but I mean, learning through picture books. But it's interesting just the fact that they are printing picture books here. Like they've really set up their own society. Definitely. Um, and then, you know, with, with Jackson stabbing Miller, Clark is very much trying to pull Jackson away. And it's making me wonder who gets affected by this induced psychosis and who and, doesn't and, and why. why. Um I do think that, you know, we see Amori attacking Murphy. I think that Amori and Echo will be the first two to succumb. And the reason I think this is because they're grounders and they have the least amount of radiation protection in their blood. Um, We saw back from season two that Mount Weather, the reason they wanted the Sky Crew's blood was because they had been living in space along that they built up this like natural immunity to radiation. Yeah. Um, So I think that it'll be the grounders who succumb first, then more of the Sky Crew still have red blood and then Clark and maybe Maddie um, either don't succumb or we see like a little bit Clark screaming, shut up. I think that Clark will be the one to be able to resist it the most because of her night blood. I agree. Um, I love this scene here that we get of 
it looks like Jackson, Gaia, and Murphy. Yeah. Um, in a locust storm or some sort of storm of bugs, bugs. which is horrifying to me on many levels and just again goes to show that this planet is not earth and it's not what it seems and there's a lot we don't know about it yeah um and then of course we're introduced to these crazy new grounder characters grounders 2.0 the snake oh yeah this oh the snake too i mean i almost missed that um there's this creepy image of a snake that i'm sure you all remember it has 13 eyes and it's tough. I mean, it has it's, teeth, which yeah. first and foremost does, is not a snake thing. Snakes usually only have like fangs. fangs. This snake has teeth and it, not just teeth, but it's tongue. If you like go frame by frame in um, this image here, its tongue is actually a stinger. Yeah. Its tongue pierces this girl who clearly has night blood herself. Um, I'm thinking this girl might be the new girl we see who's kissing that guy mm-hmm. because she's wearing this like black bra crop top thing and that's what it looks like here with a snake so i don't know if this snake you know just like feeds off of blood like a leech or if it injects some sort of toxin or what but it is very scary bad news snake bad news bad news bad news snake not into the snake and i'm definitely not into all of the people on the earth like freaking out it looks like bellamy even drowns murphy at yeah. one point um, i mean everybody's losing their space. everyone's losing it octavia's losing it up in space they're losing it down on earth things are happening it's really bad Chaos. um we get this really fascinating shot that is set in a lab somewhere as to where i don't no know <laughs> I mean, it could theoretically be Elegius, but I'm pretty sure it's not. Or, no, I, I mean, at least not our Elegius ship. I think it's possible it could be in, like, the remnants of the, the old Elegius ship. Um, or it's just something they set up in Sanctum. Or it's something that they found out in the forest. Like, there's so many different places this could be. Either way, there's a lot of skeletons. There is a lot of skeletons, and I'm glad you brought that up because Jason just posted a picture of him uh, on Instagram the other day with all of those skeletons in the background. And we were talking a little bit about, you know, why are these skeletons here? Yeah. You know, a typical lab might have one or maybe two skeletons for research. This was my first question when we watched the trailer. I was like, what's going on with all of these skeletons? These walking skeletons. Why are there so many of them? So my thoughts are, you know, I I have a few theories. Um, the first is that these are original Elegius members. Were they killed by aliens? Were they just like died and they, they chose Preserved to research them? And, and yeah, they needed to look at their bones for something. Or are these aliens who changed themselves to look like humans or just kind of happened to look like humans um, that they've killed and like wanted to research? I definitely think these skeletons, there's going to be a story behind it. Oh, for, for sure. And I'm so excited to find out whose bones are these. I mean, it's so interesting to me because this was the first moment in the trailer. I mean, I was getting season two vibes long before this shot. But this, because it is like a, it looks like a lab and it's like so clinical and there are all these like tests, screens and everything. Mm-hmm. It just is so reminiscent of season two and the mountain. And also Ali's lab um, that I'm very much like this is there's something there's something very wrong here. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, what's interesting, too, is this lab is clearly not abandoned because I think it's definitely Bellamy. It looks like Clark 
might be beside Bellamy and then one other person who I can't tell. Um, but the computer on the side is on. Yeah. And the computer has a picture of a brain. Um, I definitely think this is going to have to do with Maddie because we see a little bit later that Maddie is being experimented on in some way. Um, and I'm assuming it's because of the chip. I think that's a pretty safe guess. <laughs> So uh, maybe this is Clark being like, someone's after my kid. And she's, you know, out to, to find them. And, and she stumbles upon this lab. Maybe. Uh, and we're also going to start getting some of this green light uh, in the trailer. Green light with rainbow fragmentation. Right. It's just like light. It prisms. Yeah. Um, but the most interesting scene to me is this like huge like light storm we see on the ground with a person standing outside of the green light and the person running out of the green light. Mm-hmm. When I first saw this, I genuinely thought the green light had created a person and they were like, Oh, I thought a person was on fire. Well, that's, those are the two, like yeah. some people have seen it like creating this person. And some people have seen it, this person just like getting caught in the fire and trying to escape. Or it's not even fire. It's light, it's light. or energy and trying to escape it. Um, but let's just break this down a little bit. I genuinely feel like this light is some sort of of entity. Like, I think it's going to have an intelligence. I think this is kind of their idea of an alien species. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I honestly believe this is the only intelligent species that was on Earth before Elegius got here. Okay. I don't really know what this species does or, like, how it survives. But I think when Elegius came down, it's kind of grown into something more than it was before we talked a lot I guess we didn't talk we've talked a lot yes and I've heard it talked a lot online about clones um with Clark you know in the poster staring at herself um and then a lot of other things we've seen lately it all seems to point to there being like actual other versions of characters of our own characters now, I don't think it's going to be, like, DNA clones, like the uh, Sanctum people have created clones of them. I personally think it's going to have the Annihilation, spoiler alerts, guys, to Annihilation, uh, Annihilation vibes to it, where the the light entity itself is able to kind of replicate what looks like a human and, like, turn itself into something human-like. Yeah. Um, and I think that not just because of Annihilation, but also because of the Sparrow, which is what something, a quality that one of the alien species on that planet had had the potential to do. Remind they could turn them themselves. The so the Sparrow, uh, we talked about it in our, our last podcast, is a book that Jason assigned. supposedly assigned Bob Morley to read ahead of this next season. And it's basically this Jesuit priest and his uh, team of people, they all go to this new planet as missionaries Mm -hmm. um they kind of get involved with this really peaceful culture and are really happy there but it turns out there's this predatory culture that's also on this planet like a different species and this species has the ability to change their shape to look like the prey species basically they're boggarts well (laughs) a little maybe (laughs) um i can kind of see where you're going with that but I think they definitely just are able, like, the the ability to camouflage yourself as your prey would be such a great quality to have in a predator, because you can get closer than you ever could as as a predator. Um, And so I wonder if this is going to be where the clones are coming from this season. I am, like, 95% sure that Clark will have some sort of clone of herself. Like, a shadow self is what I'm calling it. Yeah. And I think this will be, I think these people are these, like, entities will be able to take on 
qualities from the person that they've copied? Well, I think they will certainly like manifest themselves in a way they can watch them and start copying them. Well, I think not just copying, but I, I genuinely think when they, when they copy the person and, and make their own version of them, I think they'll be able to take memories and take personality traits from this person and then are able to use them against that person uh-huh. um like if if clark has a copy i think they're going to know all the horrible things she did and they're going to be able to like turn those things against her it would be very 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 face your demon challenging because <laughs> I, I think out of you know all of the characters their their biggest enemy is themselves oh always always um I think that's one of the central tenets of the show yeah and i think especially that's one of the central tenets of this season or will be. I mean, clearly. Which, again, so, so excites me because the last five seasons of the show has really been about what you will do to survive and how you'll change or compromise your morality to survive and save people you love. And I like that this kind of new direction is coming to terms with that and facing the choices that you've made and finding out a way to live on and become better. Yeah. And, and really dealing with the choices that you made to I get mean, them there. I mean, one can only hope that's what we're doing this season. Yeah. But I'm so excited to he- to learn more about this green entity. Yes. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm also curious if, like, in this scene, I, I, I don't think these are characters we know. No, the... I don't either. I do not think these are people we've met. But I guess we'll find but out. we'll find out. I, like, and I'm just going to, like, really theorize here for a second. I would love this to be something like whoever is like waiting outside of this green light with their arms open and you know that the person running out I would love it to be they lost someone in the green smoke and they see someone running out at them and they think it's their person but it's really like a copy that was made and so that person like is able to like like the green light took the real person and like made a copy and is like keeping the real one and so the the copy gets to go and like infiltrate the society very annihilation it is very annihilation. Very annihilation. Yeah. So uh, I guess we'll I think see. But for a, as a homework assignment, I think you should all go and watch Annihilation. It's so good. It's a very good film. It's just very entertaining <laughs> and great acting, and great also visuals. And good prep for this season. It is. We get Clark <laughs> riding a motorcycle. Sorry. There's this shot of somebody running through the woods, and it looks so much like Vancouver. It just like, started <laughs> laughing. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Yep. I mean, let's be real. No, it it does. Like, sometimes there's that. You can't mask out. It's just, it's Vancouver, guys. Yeah, there's only so much they can do. They have a very small budget. (laughs) In fact, what they were able to do this season, I think, is very impressive. At least what I've seen from the trailer. Um, So Clark is on a motorcycle, and... It looks like in one scene, they're going through the red fields on their motorcycles. I don't know if someone is chasing Clark or if she's chasing them. Maybe it's a joyride. I mean, we do get a quote from what I think is the new girl, the one who looks slightly like Clark and the one I think might be bitten by the snake. She says, there are worse things in this world than eclipse-induced psychosis. There are things and people in these woods that want us dead, fall behind, and you will be. Um, So I'm wondering if she's the one who kind of gets Clark out of Sanctum. Yeah. And they like run away on motorcycles. And that's when she's saying like fall behind and you'll be dead. It's like fall behind on this motorcycle. Yeah. Honestly, I have no idea. No idea. But that sounds great to me. I saw someone theorize that this new girl could be like Clark's distant relative. Like if Clark had a relative who went on the original Allegius. What is this? Allegius 2? Allegius 3? I think this is 2. 2. 3. No, it's three. Oh, it's three. Yeah. So if someone went on the original Allegius 3 um, mission and it was like one of Clark's 
ancestors. ancestors. Um, and then she kind of has some sort of distant family here. I, oh I God, like that. I love that idea. Especially because I did think that girl was Clark for a moment. <laughs> but it would be nice for Clark to experience some family. Um, we do get another shot of Bellamy and the group being led out of uh, Sanctum by these like weird monk guys. Yeah. Like they're all wearing these black cloaks and they have these walking sticks and they're leading um, Bellamy and the crew to the edge of the radiation area where I'm assuming they're going to be kicked out. The perimeter, if you <laughs> But will. who the hell are these monk guys? I don't know, but I feel like, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, and now I want to talk about the Grounders. Grounders 2.0. Um, they're very gross looking. They're very reminiscent of the, the Grounders of season one. They are, but even more extreme because they have clearly, like when I first saw them, I thought they were like dead people. And it took me a few minutes in the trailer to realize they just were covered up. Yeah. Because they look like all mottled and gross. No, remember the like crazy Grounders of season one? Yeah, no, I do. That the, was like, the animal. the radiation guys, yeah. right? And the, and the uh, reapers, the reapers. That's, yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Yeah, they remind me of them. No, I can see that. Um, I'm assuming that these people outside are covered up to protect themselves from the two suns from I, the radiation. I would assume that as well. It's real gross, though. They don't look great. <laughs> I mean, they're very scary looking. But again, I like the idea of like the civilization that looks very clean and welcoming and safe are actually you know, dangerous and this civilization of, of grounders who are very scary looking or maybe the nice guys. Well, that's kind of the question I wanted to raise is <coughs> how much of this is going to parallel season two? Like we've already talked about their definite parallels to be found, but is it going to be kind of a rehash of like the mountain men versus the grounders? I hope that they find a way to subvert that a little bit. Yeah, I think... I'm hoping that what the callback, I mean, I, I, for my, for myself, I feel like I want the callbacks to connect us back to season two in a way that focuses on not so much the choices of like survival, which I think was very much like mountain men versus reapers or Mm -hmm. grounders. Um, but more of like the, I'm trying to put this into words, like the, like a class system, like the choices like of who's worthy. Class to... system, but but also just like scientific discovery and like breakthrough and like the responsibility of your choices that you make. I mean, like we touched on this a little bit in season two of like they were crazy experimenting on people, but we didn't get into that so much because we didn't have enough time. It was like, yes, we're experimenting on people. We know that that's bad. But I think when you're talking about or encountering different species, different kinds of intelligence, different kinds of of sentience, um, it it brings the question of like, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like there's like something there to be unpacked that we very briefly touched on in season two, but can be further explored in this season. Yeah, I think my question is, my main concern is I don't want Sanctum to be the bad guys. I think that's the expectation everyone has is, like, they look so beautiful on the outside, but they have, like, a rotten underbelly. Um, But we've seen that before, you know? And I'm kind of interested in the thought that, like, maybe they really are, like, good people in a good society and there's something else going on that we 
can't really extrapolate yet but yeah no or just that they're a really good society they mean well and they recognize this group of people as a threat and they're not willing to risk yeah a threat and I mean as any good society we all have our flaws you know we we don't again we don't set out to be the villains in our own lives um but we do make mistakes and we do separate ourselves naturally as humans like it's the it's always us versus them and if these are humans which I'm not 100% convinced they all are um but if they are humans I have a hard time believing that any society could be completely peaceful you know oh yeah no not if they're human um, but that, that is the question is, are they human? I you don't know, know. There could be like a really interesting twist where we think that Russell's group is the original Legius settlers. And it turns out, JK, they're the aliens who have copied themselves. Um, but I think it's much more likely that the aliens will have like infiltrated the society more so than just having made a society in and of themselves. Mm-hmm. Or maybe the aliens just got real excited about, like, living as humans. So they just, like, all copied themselves. And it's like, we're going to do this now. This is our thing. I mean, maybe. (laughs) Maybe they're super nice. Maybe. Like in Xenon. Yeah. Yeah, maybe they're, like, Xenon aliens. (laughs) They're just, like, light and color and (laughs) rainbows. Uh, We do get a nice scene. I mean, it's not really anything, but we get a vision here of Murphy and Clark sitting together. And I'm really excited to see their dynamic this season because I heard that Murphy is definitely going to be angry with Clark. um, And he's not going to want to give her a second chance. And I, I mean, number one, like... Come on, Murphy. I mean, how many? Have you looked in the mirror? (laughs) (laughs) But also, I just... I'm really excited to see their dynamic because I heard that they're going to be together a lot this season. And Clark and Murphy are always a star team. I mean, I think you pair Murphy with anybody and it's a star team. And I think because the nature of Murphy is he needles people because he is so insecure in himself Mm -hmm. that it brings out a lot of buried things in, in the characters that he's pairing paired off with. Yeah. So that's what I'm really excited about. Um, so I just noticed this actually in the next scene, we have Clark hiding somewhere and looking out and seeing um, these two motorcyclists outside. So maybe the motorcyclists who were in the field um, in that past scene were actually people who were going after Clark. Oh, maybe. Um, maybe these are them. Like, they were trying to keep her from leaving Sanctum. Sure. Um, I don't know why, but it's just, it's interesting to think that maybe she doesn't have as much freedom there as she thought. And I like the idea more and more of her having been drugged and then, like, for some reason not taking the drugs and then realizing, like, what the hell am I doing here? Right. <laughs> I mean, I do think, like, drugging a population, especially if you're humans, like, it's not a good thing, but that's one of the few ways you're going to get a totally peaceful society, you know? Not that I'd recommend it. (laughs) Uh, We get a great shot of the radiation towers all activated, Um, just again going to show that this whole place is protected. Yeah. Um, And then, of course, Clark telling Bellamy, we have no idea how to survive down here. Yes, it's so interesting. It's just like, again, you're back at square one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the Grounders 2.0 running aqu- across this, like, wa- looks like a waterbed almost yeah, on the ground. Yeah, it's a malleable ground. ground. Um, and I'm pretty sure it's Octavia who's chasing them. I like I can see like a very very blurry image back here, yeah, it but looks like it looks like Octavia. And then like we see this image of Hottie McHotface here pointing a gun at her. Um, this new guy, this new grounder who 
honestly like could also be Octavia's next love interest because she always picks the grounders. I was say she has a type. She does have a type. <laughs> <laughs> it's dirty grounder boys. <laughs> it's dirty grounder boys that like to point guns. Um, but he tells Octavia the harder you fight the faster you die and I think that's more in reference to this like quick sandy waterbed floor that she's standing on right I now mean, maybe like i think it's gonna be like it sucks you in but i actually interpreted it as of the fight against the alien intelligence because i feel like the more you fight them the like easier it is for them to like get into your like cracks in your mind i think that's a good way to think about it i mean i think it'll be maybe a little bit of both maybe both i think it would definitely be the quicksand thing because they stopped her right over that. Um, but I'd love to see that have kind of like a dual meaning. Maybe. Especially later on when we kind of realize who the villains are and what they want. Because honestly, at this point, I have no idea who the <laughs> villains are. I mean, everyone under- and no one. <laughs> Understandably, they haven't told us much. That's true. Uh, Clark is telling who I'm assuming is Russell, um, but it could be someone else that's. Uh, her child is out there and she wants to go get her so i'm wondering if this is when clark has decided that she wants to leave yeah and they're like no No, you can't can't. and then she has to escape yeah and i mean it would make sense if she if you're running with the theory that symptom is they really are good um then and i i like the idea of her not being i'm i'm kind of of the opinion that i don't want her to be drugged because i want her to make that sacrifice for herself and her people to like stay behind and we see her crying oh I agree. I don't think she'll be drugged to make that choice. No, no. But what I'm saying is I don't – I also would like it that she doesn't really want to leave. But the reason that she wants to leave is to go save Maddie. Mm -hmm. Um, That would be really interesting to me. Yeah. No, I like that idea. Um, uh, Speaking of Maddie, great transition there. Guys, I'm so excited. So Maddie says – in my dreams, I see a commander who frightens me. Oh, I forgot where we were going with this. And, now I can't <laughs> and we see this like creepy ass commander pop up in the background, like shushing her, which like anyone shushing anyone, it's always creepy. I mean, he like looks like the angel of death. He is horrifying. He's wearing this creepy hood. He looks almost like he has no eyebrows or eyes. Like his yeah. face just looks like one giant skin. <laughs> yeah, he looks real gross. But, um, guys, <laughs> is this Bill Cadigan? <laughs> Look, I'm never going to let it go, but I really do think that if there is a really scary commander who um, had the flame at one point, it's got to be Bill Cadigan, right? Because we got the scene last season where uh, Becca gets burnt alive, yeah. and we know it's because Cadigan made people do it. Sure. So did Cadigan do it because he wanted to take the flame and become the commander himself? I mean, that would make a lot of sense to me. That makes so much sense to me because the question we had was how did the command or how did the Grounder Society grow to like revere and worship these commanders and Becca Promheta if he had burned her at the stake? Um, And I think the question or the, the answer would be, well, Bill Cadigan became the next commander and like set himself up as a god. Yeah. And so, like, to kind of further that religion, he, like, set Becca up as a martyr, and then he was kind of, like, her successor. Yeah. I mean, he seems certainly capable of pulling enough strings behind the scenes where it wouldn't exactly be tied to him. Like, his hands could look clean. Yeah. And he could have put a lot of events into motion. And I have been... to her burning at the stake. Yeah. I, I have been waiting 
years for Bill to make his triumphant return, and I feel like this is it, guys. <laughs> I'm going to add that to the tally mark of every time she's ever said that. Yes, but, like, I know, but, like, but really, though? That is I, the best theory that I could draw I out of that. I love this theory. I love it. I just, we've been down this road before. I know, but I, I just can't think of another kind of commander who would scare her, you know? Oh, agreed. Yeah. I, again, but I always agree with you on your Bill Cadigan. I, I know, and they're never right. They're never right. So who knows? But honestly, they should be right. The hundred writers, are you listening to me? No. I'm sorry, but Bill Cadigan started the first apocalypse. He did it. I don't care if it's not canon or I not. I really feel like you should start tweeting this at them. <laughs> I should. Maybe we'll find that out this season. Maybe you that, can get like a writing Maybe credit. that's what he wants to tell Maddie is like, hey, girl, I actually burned the planet the first time, just so you know. <laughs> like, all Bill Cadigan related scenes credited to Sarah McCabe. <laughs> Uh, we see a scene of Murphy who had been like tied down or like lying down, kind of jumping up in fear. Um, like he or, had like, been passed out. Yeah, resuscitated in some way. Yeah, this might have been after he got drowned. In fact, it probably was probably right is. after he got drowned by Bellamy. Um, and then of course we see a bunch of the uh sanctum people running, and I think that's because it's the eclipse. Yes. Um, I mean like you can there's like a clear shot of the sun's getting closer mm-hmm. um which indicates the eclipse, yeah. I don't know if we talked about this, but the first episode was called Sanctum. The second episode has not been confirmed yet, but on the original on the previous podcast, we definitely mentioned that it was called Red Sun Rising. Yeah. And that is the same title as the book that Bellamy has. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if that is supposed to be from like that all of those scenes are supposed to be from episode 2. I feel like that's likely. And yeah. that would make a lot of sense to me. Like at the end of episode one, they all start going crazy. And then episode two is them all being, being crazy. crazy. <laughs> um, and and it's odd to me that every, like the whole village that they're in is empty. So I think it's empty because all of the sanctum people have like gone to the, the central um, castle to be like underground somewhere yeah, so they could protect burrowed. themselves. Um, and so they're just kind of the poor side crew is left out in the cold. Uh, so moving on, we see Russell. He's just very concerned <laughs> about poor Sky Crew, as he should be. He says, these people are dangerous. They'll burn this world down just like their last one. Um, Clark says, we can change. And he says, I believe you want to, Clark. I just don't believe you can. Which is a great line. It's a fantastic line and one that we have all been asking, saying and asking ourselves for six seasons now. Yeah, I mean, that that is the question. That's I think the that's, central question. That's what Monty was saying is, like, we haven't been the good guys up until this point, so, like, let's try to change. And even in trying to be the good guys, we have failed. Yeah. Many times. Many, many times. It's because it's humanity. But what's interesting to me, and I'm sure that this isn't quite cut correctly, but Russell specifically says they'll burn this world down just like their last one, but when he's saying that, He's talking to Clark. Like, the person has blonde hair. Um, it looks just like Clark, but he's saying they all. And Clark is obviously part of the we. So I'm wondering, does he either not consider Clark to be, like, of the same ilk as the rest of them? Or is he maybe talking about the um, Allegius prisoners, who really were the ones responsible for burning down the last world with, or you know, McCreary? maybe he's talking to her. Clone. He could be talking to her clone, but I don't feel like he is because we also see her wearing that same like pink dress. Like we see the pink strip yeah. or the pink um 
what's the word I'm looking for? Strap. Strap, thank you, <laughs> on her shoulder. I think it's Clark because the next line is, we can change, like from her. And she, she really does believe it, or at least she really wants to believe it. Yeah, it's an interesting cut, interesting pronouns. We shall see. Yeah. Uh, the only really scene we get with Dioza, it's really a kind of a twofold scene, but Raven wakes up Dioza and I don't think she's supposed to, or at <laughs> no. least, or at least they hadn't told her to. But what I actually think happens is that the eclipse affects the people on the ship as well. Mm-hmm. I think, um, Raven will be up there. People will start going crazy on the ship and she'll wake up Dioza because Dioza has the fighting experience they need. Yeah. The military yeah. experience. Because we do see um, a picture of Dioza fighting here and there's like dead or dying people littering the ground. The ground. And I, I really do think like Raven was like, we need someone great. Who could that be? I need a, I need, <laughs> I need a commander. I need a captain. Also, it looks like she's still pregnant. Like when she comes out of her yeah, little. It looks like it, but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, when she pops out of, when she pops out of the ground, she, she definitely still has the baby bump. Um, so I think, unfortunately, it means that Hope is still, still she's still gestating. She's still she, Hope is like a three hundred year old fetus. Yep. <laughs> I was really hoping that your theory was right, Me and too. I mean, like, there's still like a tiny chance, but I, I think it seems like Hope is still in gestation. <laughs> still preggers. Uh, so we do get a scene of Clark fighting someone. I think it's one of the Grounders 2.0. Um, a lot of people have been slowing this down and saying that it looks like Clark is fighting herself. But I have definitely gone through frame by frame. And it's just some like rando with like this really thick blonde hair. <laughs> Similar hair. It's a guy. Um, it is not Clark's clone. I don't think they would give that away in the trailer. I think they'd be very, very careful about that. Or if they are giving it away, it's like they're showing us something that's not actually Clark, you know? Yeah. Um, Bellamy grabs guns at one point, And then we get, of course, Bellamy choking Russell with uh, Miller, or not Miller, with um, Murphy and Clark kind of sitting in the background being like, oh, Bellamy, Here not again. again. <laughs> he always does Bellamy. this. <laughs> Sorry, Russell. We're trying to break him of this habit. <laughs> so the question is, when do you think this happens? I, that's a really good question. I feel like it happens right after the psychosis starts and Russell hadn't told them about it and Bellamy is like, you see, it was too good to be true. Breaks in, does his Bellamy thing. I disagree. I really feel I like... I you would. I feel like both Bellamy and Clark are very much taking this be the good guys to heart this season and I, it just is weird that they would like attack like this so quickly. Yeah, I I personally think this is clearly happening happening in Clark's room in the room that she's painting in. Yeah, I think this is happening after Clark has left the uh, Sanctum City for whatever reason that is, and then has come back for whatever reason that is. Okay, so maybe maybe you know Russell was lying to her, or maybe. maybe it's something. But I think that they've, I think this is a little bit later in the season when they've learned a bit more about what Sanctum is, is up to going on. Yeah, okay, I'm into that. Um. I just don't like the idea of Bellamy like choking someone out like upon first meeting, you know, (laughs) he did say he was going to be a little bit more like first season Bellamy, which kind of baffles me. I'm not sure how he's going to make the jump from last season's Bellamy to first season's Bellamy. I feel like it's just like a pendulum swing. We'll we'll see. I mean, really any change from last season's Bellamy will be good for me because 
I know that, it, again, I do think it was the healthiest Bellamy, but it was definitely the most boring, I was gonna say, dumbest Bellamy. The least dramatic. The least interesting. Yeah. Inter- and, and also, like, just not as insightful. Like, he was making stupid decisions. Cannot. I know. I know. Um, we see an image that's also baffling to me, and it's of Clark covered in night blood or what i'm assuming is night blood it's like black Black, splashes she's wearing that blue dress that we saw a little bit earlier on and she's holding someone's face who's also wearing a blue dress i i'm inclined to think this is maddie i agree and the height makes it and the hair makes it look like maddie but also her face clark's face in this is a little odd um it could just be the editing choices because they've they're doing this in like in between two action scenes yeah. so it looks a little bit more sinister but no I also you know is no, her face looks scary yeah I mean like again if it's in a different context we might feel differently about it but just the fact that she's covered in blood and holding Maddie's face in this really weird way I don't know it also it, it made it seem like she's about to like snap her, her neck. neck it does um, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent certain it is Maddie, but then again, also, I'm also not a hundred percent certain it's Clark. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> I feel like this could definitely be shadow clone Clark. I do. I think it's more likely that it's like a drugged or hallucination from Clark. Um, maybe cause like there's been some sort of accident cause there's blood. So I'm not sure what that is. Maybe this is after she finds Maddie being tortured or being experimented on in whatever way. And that's why she has blood. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm curious to find out. I'm deeply suspicious of this. Yeah. Um, Octavia's getting her butt kicked again. Uh, Murphy's kicking open the door of this house and the is like first and only comedic moment in the yeah. trailer. <laughs> oh look, this one's open. Good. <laughs> oh, look, this one's open. Um. But yeah, we're really kind of heading toward the end of this. Um, there's not a lot left. There's Clark running through the Allegius ship. Is that going to be an actual scene? Is that a hallucination? Yeah. The bigger question is, Clark at one point says, if I could go back, I'd do things differently, but I can't. None of us can. And that is uh, interposed with a vision of her in Mount Weather when she wakes up at the end of season one. Yep. Um, in her cell and that she has like the broken glass of her window what's really interesting is that her hair is season one hair and not season two hair well her hair um actually i think is season four hair it's it's season one she's definitely not wearing um what she wore waking up that her hair is different so her hair might be season one her outfit is not season one. no her outfit is not but her outfit is not season two either or at least it's not like, what she was wearing when like she woke up there makeup and her hair are season one so i guess which all is all just to say that time is relevant in these hallucinations and i think it's an amalgamation of all, all of her experiences coming into play yeah and i think again what clark chooses to look like even if it's like a subconscious level yeah. means something it's a very interesting choice um this is I'm, I'm assuming not time travel i think we can all agree this is not time travel this is some sort of hallucination yes and i'm wondering if this is like an experiment that russell kind of puts them to the test of like if you could do things differently could you and then he puts them in these situations and like makes them choose again Oh, maybe. I actually was thinking that the hallucinations were tied to the red sun psychosis. I'm personally feeling like that's not the case. And I think that because we see 
the way they react to the red sun psychosis. Yeah, it's very And it's very, like, aggressive. And it's, like, they're hearing, like, voices and, like, they're, like, going after people they love. Sure. It doesn't seem like they're having, like, full-blown hallucinations like this. And, like, a chance to reflect. Yeah. I think that's all all very, that seems like a totally valid uh, reasoning. But I do wonder if whoever is doing this to Clark, if they have used what happens during the eclipse psychosis and like through science or the power of science have like refined it so they are able to like control the hallucinations that they have that's where i was going yeah is there's like some form of like technology that radiation like allows them to access this sort of subconscious like primal place in the mind mm-hmm. that comes you know that comes out during the red sun rising and if you are able to control it, then you are able to, like, move through your experiences and produce this sort of hallucination. Yeah. Which would be interesting. Yeah. I'm excited. Um, we do see the scene that Jason posted like last week, I think it was. Yeah. It was the first um, scene we got from the trailer. And it's the whole group in this, like, funky underground house, the the same set we've been talking about, um, looking out at someone. And they look very concerned um like Clark is kind of holding Maddie back and Gaia is with her protecting her and everyone is like very suspicious of this person and I'm wondering if this is when they first meet Russell possibly I don't know I like the more I think about it the less that seems likely to me because Maddie's here but I also feel like it's probably going to be at some like the point in which they realize that Maddie is like they we know she gets experimented on mm-hmm. and we know that Clark needs to go rescue her or I mean we don't know that we don't know that we suspect yeah I feel like this person or persons who they're looking at are a threat to Maddie and they're looking for her specifically and that's why everybody's sort of like surrounded her yeah um and I hope it's not Russell because I want to like Russell I really do you know <laughs> we'll see uh murphy at one point says i saw something i'm pretty sure i'm going to hell and this dream image we get of him he's tied to a stake yep and he's holding his own burning torch um which is a very very fascinating parallel or like jump into murphy's mind here like he really is killing himself in this scene or like he is the cause of his own demise yeah Um, and and he's aware of it yeah i mean like yeah that's definitely it i i wonder is this something like what Clark went through with these hallucinations? Is this a dream he has? Like, what do you think this is? I also think this is a hallucination. Like, it th- from the, the original Red Sun hallucination? No, no, no. I mean, I think of the same induced hallucination yeah. place that Clark also went through. I mean, maybe the reason that they all have to leave but Clark is because Clark's the only one who passes the test that Russell gives them. Um, I don't think she'd stay, though. But she might if she thinks that she might be able to talk their way into the society, you know? Clark is very persuasive. That's true. Um, I mean, like, I, I don't know. But I, I do like the idea that they are faced with these tests that they have yeah. to pass. Um, there's, again, creepy Bill Cadigan and Maddie, and they're playing chess, chess, which is odd. So weird. But fascinating. Like, one of the chess pieces is definitely uh, the Polis Tower. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if he's kind of telling her the story of how the commanders came to be and yeah. how the grounder community came to be. And I was also wondering, is this like a thing where she's like inside of her own mind or is this also an induced hallucination like Clark and Murphy went through? I feel like this is inside her own mind. I feel like this is how the commanders interact with other 
old commanders. I agree completely. I just didn't know if this was maybe prompted or like, I don't know. I think it's a dream. I think it's a dream that she has. Okay. Because um, I think that's how they tend to communicate. She'll like either see visions of them outside of her yeah. sleeping hours or she'll like actually talk to them in her sleep. Um, and I, I like the fact that he's like visiting her in her sleep. Yeah, it's really creepy. <laughs> What's even creepier is her getting experimented on. Yeah. Yeah. Not loving that. They're also injecting something into her. And I'm pretty sure it's not like in regard to her night blood. I think it's got to be some sort of serum. That Yeah, I I agree. And the the cinematography, like the way they shoot these scenes, there's this like um, like highlight quality to them. Like VHS, like the tape has run out. Like highlighting, smudging. They're blurring, yeah. There's like smudging happening here. Um. Which kind of just gives you that, like, sort of, like, paranormal, like, thriller, like, handheld vibe. Well, it actually goes back to the episode Day Trip when they were all um, hallucinating on those Joby nuts. Mm -hmm. That's how they were shooting scenes, too. Like, they were kind of blurry. They would, like, just shoot them at weird angles. And, like, it was, like, shaky cam. I think that might indicate hallucinations. Um, I did want to just kind of mention at the end here, Octavia is fighting... Bloodrena. Yep. It's quite the visual. I'm very excited. I'm so excited about it. And I also think that this is the same kind of hallucination that Clark and Murphy are going through. I agree. I, I feel like this specifically isn't Octavia fighting Bloodrena. I think it's Octavia just fighting all the darkness and all the anger she's ever had in her because I think that's what Bloodrena really represents. Rep- yes, I agree. I think it's wearing the Bloodrena face, but mm-hmm. it is representing that pit of darkness in mm-hmm. Octavia. That she's never quite <laughs> capable of filling. The pit of despair. Yes. <laughs> she is literally in the pit of despair right now because she's in the fighting ring um, underground. And honestly, like, I keep trying to think of how I want this fight to end. But if I could choose an ending to the scene of her fighting Bladrena, I want Octavia to just stop fighting. Uh-huh. And I want Bladrena to, like, stab her and Octavia to be like, you don't have any power over me anymore. Like, you know, you can't hurt, hurt me, me anymore. Yeah, we're like... Blood Raina stabs her, but there's no wound. Yeah. Yeah. That would be awesome. That's my ideal ending. And I feel like if this could be something that is at the end of the season, we could get that. I worry that it's going to be a little bit too Too early early. in the season for us to really. Well, maybe there are multiple visitations. That's true. I I just, she's got to defeat this part of herself if she wants to have a happy life someday. Agreed. Agreed. Oh, and I also forgot to mention, that's what I was going to talk about when Maddie was getting experimented on, is way back in the scene where Clark is wearing that pretty dress and is about to go to the party. The blue one? Yeah. Yeah. Um, her hand is bandaged. Oh. And so I'm wondering if, like, they experimented on her or took something from her in some way while she's staying there. Or maybe that's how they've been giving her <laughs> the serum, you know, this, like, ecstasy or whatever. I... I, it was just an yeah. interesting note it's because weird. she was like in this like beautiful dress and like with the jewelry, but then her hand was all bandaged up. So it could have just been like she, you know, got attacked when the eclipse psychosis was happening. And yeah, she had a that's boo-boo. what I was going to say. Is <laughs> I feel like she got a boo boo. But then again, I didn't notice it when she was standing there watching Bellamy leave. And I think that happens after the eclipse psychosis. So I don't know, man. I just just interesting to note. Um. But again, yeah, nearing the end here, Octavia's fighting herself, and then we get Russell saying, welcome to Sanctum. And he's also in that room with the blue honeycomb statue. 
I wonder if this is actually in the first episode, at the very end of this episode. I think it is. I think they might have already started to kind of undergo some psychosis issues and then they they, meet Russell and they're like, what What the the hell hell is going on? (laughs) Yeah, I agree. So yeah, guys, I, this is, that's the trailer. Yeah, it's a lot. We got a lot of juicy things in this trailer. It looks great. I'm super excited. I'm feeling very good about this season and very refreshed. Yeah, I, I also, it's, it's very different. Like there's the tone, the vibe, just like the it feels energy. so new. I mean, it's a, I sound so stupid when I'm like the energy, but like the literal and metaphorical the literal energy li- and, the, and the, just the lighting. It yeah. just feels lighter. I just like, oh guys, I'm so ready. I'm so ready for this new season. And I also heard someone talking about the, the I don't remember who it was, one of the actors, that the main vibe of this season is hope. Oh, and it's thank, a very hopeful season. Thank so I, God. I genuinely feel like we're going to reach a point at the end of this season where it's like, we can be the good guys. Like, yeah. we can do it. Like, you know, we've seen every season that they fail and they fail and they fail. And even at the end of last season where um, Maddie decides not to kill all of the Legius prisoners, they still blow up the planet, you know? So, like, can we get to a point where our heroes actually are able to win like they are able to find the third option that doesn't hurt anyone yes and are comfortable in those choices yeah it doesn't feel like they're compromising something in themselves and are they also able to forgive themselves for the baggage that they're carrying and find a way to move on and and to be at peace and each other i mean they all definitely each other equally important (laughs) But yeah, okay, so that was our trailer analysis. Yeah, Thanks for sticking with us through all of that. We should say um, our schedule is going to be a little bit bumpy for podcasting in May, but we're going to do our best to get you guys podcasts on time. One or two will probably be late from the earlier on season. Um, I'm not too worried about later on this year. Yeah, the the earliest episodes coincide with like my busiest travel time of the year and so I won't even be in the city for most of it um so we're gonna try our hardest to get them on time and you will get them as soon as humanly possible we've made a schedule it's gonna be really hard for me because Brit's gonna be gone for the first episode and I'm gonna have to watch it alone which is so like, sad so many episodes I'm not gonna be I here. know but like the first episode's like the most important, important you know I know I'm very <laughs> depressed I'm not thinking about it all right that's our episode. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can. You can email us at skycastcrew at gmail.com. That's S-K-A-I-C-A-S-T-K-R-U at gmail.com. You can also tweet at us at skycast. You can also tweet at us at our own Twitter accounts. I am at bperlman89. And I'm at Sarah R. McCabe. And that is our episode. Um, we will be back for the season premiere. Yes, we will. May we Very meet again. Soon. May we meet again. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.